Thank you for checking out the Think Law podcast. But did you know you can dig even deeper? My first book, Thinking Like a Lawyer, a framework to teach critical thinking to all students, is now available on Amazon or many of your favorite book websites. So please check it out and be a part of our critical thinking revolution. Welcome to the Think Law Podcast with Colin Seal, where we challenge you to imagine a world where critical thinking is no longer a luxury good and equip you with the powerful but practical tools to make that possible in our schools, in leadership, and in our homes. Hi, I'm Colin Seal, and I'm excited to welcome you to another episode of the Think Law Podcast. And today, I want to ask a question that might get some of you scratching your head. And the question that I have is, should the idea of not enough get more love? Should we show a little bit more appreciation for the value of not enough? To make you understand a little bit of where I'm coming from with this, I wanna take you all the way back to Colin Seal being a first grader When I was in first grade, I was in Brooklyn, New York. I lived with a bunch of people in a one-bedroom apartment. And one of those people was my grandmother. My grandmother loved puzzles. And one day, she got this really cool puzzle. It had like 1,500 pieces. And I was super excited to dive into this puzzle. And she told me, like, wait for her to come home to open it. And, you know, I did what a first grader did. I dove right in. But, like... It was kind of hard to open. I didn't really understand how to open it. So I I just kind of started tearing it all apart. And then when she got in and she realized what I had done, she was not happy with me. And she wasn't happy because what I did was I just tore apart as much of it as I can until I could find it open. But by tearing apart the way I did, the whole picture got torn apart. So we didn't even know the picture of the puzzle we were trying to create. There wasn't enough. We didn't have that guidance. We didn't have that picture that it took to piece this together. Now, I can tell you that this turned into one of the greatest, most phenomenal, most involved critical thinking moments that I had with my grandmother. My grandmother who did not have a formal education. My grandmother who sat there with me as we problem solved and predicted and made all these inferences about what is probably going where based off of just us working with each other and going with the flow. So I think about this in the context of our classrooms. We've got students where uh, they're not getting enough clear instruction. They don't have enough time to complete the assignment. We think about the context of parenting where You don't have time to get your kids to this place and that place and not enough resources to do all the things you want to be able to provide for your for your children. And when we look at leaders in the business context or in a nonprofit world, we've got folks who you never have enough people or human capital to do all the things you need to do. You you don't have enough money to buy the things you need to buy so you can sell the things you need to sell. And With all of this, it would seem like not enough is the problem. But here in the Think Law podcast, where we're really trying to develop frameworks that help us understand that critical thinking should not be a luxury good, I want to be clear. Not enough might have some power. Not enough might actually be a framework we want to use intentionally. Even if we do have enough theoretically, so that we can get more opportunities for critical thinking. 
So I want to start out with one of the reasons that not enough should definitely get a lot more love. And it's this idea of pushing us away from a scarcity mindset to an infinity mindset. So if you think about this idea of like scarcity versus infinity, it it takes me back to my experience in college. So in addition to being a computer science graduate, I also had a minor in African-American studies when I went to Syracuse University. And I remember being a junior taking African politics with Professor Horace Campbell, who I had taken before, I did some research with him. And, And one day he asked a question, why was there no homelessness in traditional Western African society? And of course, it was an early morning class, so it was crickets all over. So he calls on me. Colin, you tell us, why was there no homelessness in traditional African society? And I thought about it a little bit. And the word that comes to mind, the answer that came in my mind at that point was infinity. When I said infinity, my classmates started laughing. And Professor Campbell said, Colin, this is not the streets. Talk to me after class. And I'm like, man, who gets in trouble junior year in college? Like, how how does that happen? You got to stay after class and talk to the teacher in college. So anyway, I I get to him at the end of class and he's like, Colin, like, what kind of answer was that? Why would you say that? And what occurred to me was a few things. One was you had this idea in traditional African society that when you looked at land, Land didn't actually belong to somebody, right? We didn't parcel it out and divide it as this scarce resource. It had an infinite title of ownership. It belonged to the ancestors, it belonged to the current users, and it belonged to the future. We also had learned a lot about African fractals. This idea that Western African society, well before for Europeans had a concept of zero and infinity, were already exploring fractal patterns and fractal designs and things that really showed that they understood a lot about the concept of infinity. So this idea that like homelessness could exist just went against the concept of infinity. Even if you had a really small living quarters, we couldn't ever have you be homeless. Professor Campbell said, oh, Why didn't you say that in class? But that's kind of the point that I'm going to. If we start thinking about infinity mindset versus scarcity mindset, there's a lot of value that we can get from this because in some way, shape or form, there's always a reason that you can say we don't have enough. We're lacking this, that or the other thing. But if instead of thinking about it as what you're lacking, you're thinking about it from this other concept of, hmm, how can I use the things I have to solve the problems I need to solve. What this does, what this does is it it has three special powers that makes this idea of not enough so worthy of our love and praise and outright admiration. First, it moves us from convergent thinking into divergent thinking by necessity. So we think about convergent thinking, we're typically talking about a type of thinking style geared towards finding that one right answer, where divergent thinking is a lot more creative, a lot more open-ended, a lot more, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going to end up. And here's why it does this. The right answer can't work. The idea of that first thing that comes to mind won't work because you don't have enough. But if we shift it to 
how can I use the things I do have to solve the problems I need to solve? All of a sudden, your cup runneth over. Divergent thinking is what gets us to innovate. And I often talk about critical thinking as the precursor to innovation because we're never going to be able to create things unless we spend a lot more time on the whys and the what ifs versus the what's and the how to's. I remember when I started Think Law, I had this vision around creating this curriculum that was going to teach critical thinking using legal cases and teachers would use it in, in their schools, whether it's in social studies classes or their English classes or electives or homerooms or advisories. And I remember speaking to a mentor of mine who was a, a district veteran and she's like, oh, like th that's not going to work. Like, where's, where's your research study? Where's your two-year pilot program? I had another friend say, well, what, why, how, you? I just don't know. You, well, what are your credentials to do this? Do you have a, a PhD in curriculum and instruction? I had professors tell me, like, yeah, like, th that's not how this all works. Like, you don't have this. You don't have a publishing company. Like, nobody just goes out and just does curriculum. That's not how it works. And I was like, all right. So, like, I could have stopped and thought about this idea that I didn't have enough expertise, I didn't have enough validation, I didn't have enough credibility in the space, or I could focus on what do I have? What do I have? And I understood that when it came to education, when it came to my time in the classroom, when it came to my time being a tutor since I was 13 years old, helping kids in the neighborhood with math, I knew that I had a superpower. When it came to those kids that we say they can't learn, I had this magic superpower of finding some way to get them to learn. Wasn't really a superpower, because they always were able to learn, but I'll put that aside and call it a superpower anyhow. I knew how to create compelling impulses for kids to learn. I knew how to design things that were gonna resonate with kids. I'm like, that's what I've got. That's what I work with. And that's exactly what I did. I created something in Microsoft Word. I shared it with a bunch of my teacher friends. And within two months of just giving out these lessons for free, I had enough money in contracts to be able to say, look at me, I've got a thing and it is happening. Even though it wasn't possible, here we are five years later, serving schools in 30 states because we refuse to constrain ourselves by that scarcity mindset. Divergent thinking was a must because convergent thinking would have told me I can't do it because I don't have enough. Another reason that not enough is so helpful is not enough creates a super powerful appreciation of risk. Now we talk a lot in this whole model around critical thinking with critical thinking this, uh, skills and critical thinking dispositions. Critical thinking skills, like these different abilities to be able to analyze and interpret and reason, but you also need these habits, these mindsets, these dispositions, right? Like the second nature, almost spider sense of like, mm, something's not right here. The thing about not enough, the thing about growing up in a not enough setting, the, grow, the growing up in a startup environment, growing up in an under-resourced classroom, growing up as a parent, raising kids in a home where you don't have enough at your disposal is you got to figure out, like, I don't have a lot to lose. So 
I can't like lose these things. I can't take these these big bets. And what it does is it is it helps me become someone who spends a lot more time assessing credibility. It, it helps me to appreciate I cannot afford to do this thing and go way off track. I've got to focus. I've got to prioritize. I've got to figure out what's the big rock that I need to move because I don't really have time to think about all these little rocks. I got to figure out which big rock is going to start the, the whole thing to start flowing. So this idea of not enough one of the other reasons we should love it is it helps us to appreciate risk, to have that much more healthy sense of skepticism. Last but not least, there's this powerful idea around resourcefulness. This concept that when you're in a not enough mindset, it's true that you may not, not have enough. Your organization may not have enough. However, who says it's all about you? We do live in a society that there's other people that actually share this universe with us. So just because you don't have enough doesn't mean that there isn't enough available. So not enough builds resourcefulness. What does resourcefulness imply? It applies strategic relationships. It implies being able to be creative around the types of bridges that you can connect with. It implies a certain level of empathy, of connectivity. If we talk about the 21st century skills of communication and collaboration, you have to be an awesome communicator, a collaborative person to be able to be resourceful. You see, I thought it was normal growing up that people brought you groceries. I thought that was just what everybody lived like. They just got groceries from people that were not living with them. But in, in my household, like we didn't have enough. So we would get groceries from my grandmother. We would get groceries from my uncles. We would get groceries from some of my mom's friends. And I was like, all right, like, I, I guess, I guess we did have enough because we was bigger than the people around us. In an era before social media, before we had the ability to have many more resources at our disposal. So the simple fact that you grow up or you are currently operating in an environment where you feel like there's not enough can be the very reason that you have exactly what you need and more. It can be the exact reason why in reality your cup runneth over. So how do we do this? How do we actually create these environments so that not enough can get a lot more love? I want to think about this idea of considering building out this mindset by purposefully assigning tasks, whether you're a parent, a teacher, or a leader, purposefully assigning tasks with not enough information or less time than it would optimally take to succeed forces that divergent thinking. It forces them to become more resourceful and appreciate risk in a different sort of way because they can't go down these crazy tangents if they've got to focus their time and prioritize. If you're in a meeting, if you're in a discussion, if you're having a family conversation and the word impossible comes out for any task that's impossible, turn it around and ask, 
What will it take to make it possible? And I want to close on this. When we think about the power of not enough, there's no broader implication of not enough than what we're seeing right now with the COVID-19 pandemic and the way that educators have had to scramble. And if you look at the scramble, one of the things that I am just honestly blown away by is we've taken the idea of impossible off the table in education. We really have. You want to talk impossible? How in the world, how in the world could our education systems overnight almost decide that they are going to scramble and get hundreds of thousands of devices for their kids and work with the community to get hotspots to make sure they have Wi-Fi connectivity and take teachers who never really wanted to get involved in tech platforms and turn them into online instructors overnight. So when we think about not enough, these moments of not enough, the, the speed in which you get people to move, the intentionality, the, the focus, it takes impossible off the table. And in a world we want to create where critical thinking is no longer a luxury good, no idea should be impossible. No problem should be impossible. Let's give a lot more love to not enough. Because not enough can truly be more than we ever need. Thank you for listening to the Think Law Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast by clicking on the subscribe option on whatever platform you're listening to. Thank you for helping us create a world where critical thinking is no longer a luxury good. To get the latest and greatest updates about our work, please join our mailing list by texting Think Law to 66866. Thank you so much for listening to the Think Law Podcast.